0: $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to PureTalk so you can have more money to travel with this summer.
1: If you've got a military first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, govx.com is for you.
0: extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Third hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Thanks for being with us, everybody. If you want to let up the lines here, 800-282-2882. We are coming to you live today. Clay and I are here in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, place that we have both in the past called home. So we are uh, former swamp dwellers coming back to see how things are here. And uh, we've also got our friend uh, Senator Ted Cruz will be joining us in just a few minutes, we believe. I think he's running down from Capitol Hill as we speak. Um, Clay, the latest here is that Jim Jordan's speakership campaign is faltering. Um, I had thought that this would be something like the Kevin McCarthy, uh, campaign earlier this year, which took some time to get going, but eventually after what, 14 votes, uh, they, he had the votes and he got it done. There was some, some horse trading, some negotiating, um, and, and that was enough. Now, Kevin McCarthy didn't last very long in that role, which has brought us to our, our current moment, but the list of defectors is, is getting bigger so far. Um, and people are starting to say now it is looking less and less likely that Jim Jordan will, in fact, be the Speaker of the House. So with, with that in mind, we turn to the what exactly is the plan here? What exactly is the strategy? I'm starting to think if there was one, we would know what it is, not just because we could come up with it, but because the people that have pushed this to this point would be telling everybody. I mean, I remember when there was the fight over Speaker McCarthy the first time around, there were I mean we had Anna Paulina Congresswoman uh, Anna Paulina Luna for example on the show and we talked to people who had some procedural changes they wanted and some concessions to be made. And when those were made, whether you agree with them or not, when those are made, okay, we'll go with Speaker Kevin McCarthy and and there you have it. Now, there were those who were upset with McCarthy's tenure obviously cuz he got uh, pushed out but now we're at this point where you have to wonder has this just turned into um a situation where it's like a rogue elephant like no one really there's a little bit of GOP reference there yes no one really knows what's going on I mean here is uh Jim Jordan he was asked about a resolution to empower uh, Representative McHenry to be permanent acting speaker this is cut 16 play this one
2: also introduce a resolution to empower Nick Henry to be the speaker pro tem on a permanent basis would you support that I don't think that's the right way to go I think we should get a Republican speaker uh, I got 90% of the Republicans in the would conference supporting me would that help buy you more time no I, I, I mean I think we should get a Republican speaker I've been very clear about that I think that's where the conference is that's what our rules suggest so let's get a Republican speaker and get about the people's business hey,
1: can I just play if he's not right What is going on here? You know, like, if what Jim Jordan is saying is incorrect, that we shouldn't just get a Republican speaker, we shouldn't try some, I don't hear much of a counter response. I mean, Newt Gingrich is out there, you know, pulling out the verbal, uh, flamethrower on this one. He's saying that the people who did this have no idea what they had done up to this point. They have no idea what they have unleashed. Uh, and here we have Senator Ted Cruz. Joining us right now. Senator Cruz, good to see you. You're coming in right in the middle of our conversation here about what the heck is going on
2: up on Capitol Hill with this. I know it's, you know, it's next door to you, so to speak. It's not necessarily you will end up with a speaker. I think we're likely to have a speaker by the end of the week, but they got to get consensus. Uh, you know, I got to say, I've been in the Senate 11 years. I've always stayed out of leadership fights I, in the House because we got enough fights in the Senate. The last thing I need to do is get in the middle of a, a, fight in the house. I made an exception this time, uh, which is that I've publicly endorsed Jim Jordan. And, and the reason is Jim is a good friend. He called and asked me, uh, to, to state my views. I've worked with Jim closely. And, and my general philosophy on endorsements is to support the strongest conservative who can win. And so I'm interested in both pieces. That you have a real record as a conservative that you've delivered, but also that you have a path to victory. And, and, I think Jim fits that bill. Now, to, to get elected speaker, you need 218 votes. And, and at this point, nobody's been able to do it. A lot of it is structural. Uh, the Republicans have a four vote majority. That means if any five Republicans ride off into the hills on whatever issue they're upset about, uh, they can defeat the vote. And, and so at this point, I don't know if Jordan is going to get there or not. It, it's going to be whoever can get 218 votes. Uh, I still think Jim is the strongest choice and, and I, that's who I hope they elect. Uh, but, but they're either going to do that or they're going to go a third way and, and pick someone else that's a consensus candidate. If they do that, I don't know who that'll be. Both of us, Buck, uh, and, and myself have both said we want
0: Jim Jordan as well. And so a lot of people are following this and the, and the chaos, I would say, or the uncertainty that is surrounding that. But let's go to what's going on in Israel right now. Yeah. And, I, and I know there's all sorts of, uh, of responses that are going on. Uh, I want to start with this. Were you surprised? Buck and I have talked about this a lot on the show. We may have even talked about it with you. There's been this question of how Americans would respond if a modern-day 9-11 happened. Yeah. And 9-11, for everybody out there listening, is the time that America was probably the most aligned in all of the 21st century, no matter what your political background was. The number of people in New York City, Dearborn, Michigan, and then around the world, Sydney, also certainly Paris and London, who have shown up and said, we're supporting Hamas, yeah. uh, and we are supporting the ability to wage war effectively on Israel and wage terror on Israel. Did that surprise you? Uh, and what does it say about the left wing in this country that there is a certain sickness that is opposed, anti-Semitism, Nazism even, yeah. that is opposed to the
2: very existence of Israeli people? Look, Clay. Unfortunately, we have seen in, in really the last five or six years a, a rise of, of radical anti-Israel, anti-Semitic sentiments on the far left of the Democrat Party. Um, it's prominently represented by uh, the Squad in the House, and and you've got AOC, you've got Rashida Tlaib. You know, many of us have seen the video of of Tlaib walking down the hallway uh, in the House, where a reporter is asking her. What do you think right. ab- about children being murdered, about women being raped by Hamas terrorists, about children being burned alive? And she refuses to answer. And, and, and we're seeing regularly from, from the squad in, in Congress, uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel tropes, attacks on Israel. We're seeing, uh, on university campuses, uh, extreme anti-Semitic sentiments. My, my alma mater, Harvard. Uh, 35 student groups put out a disgraceful statement saying all of the violence in Israel is 100 percent Israel's fault. Apparently, it's Israel's fault that Hamas terrorists are murdering civilians and beheading babies and raping women and young girls. I, I mean, it's 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 insane. And our universities become breeding grounds for these extremist views and. Um, as you guys know, I do a podcast every week, Verdict with Ted Cruz. We do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Today's episode of Verdict, we do a deep dive on how Black Lives Matter embraces Hamas. And and this is part of how the, the, the left has gotten radicalized. Black Lives Matter is an explicitly Marxist organization. Its founders were openly Marxist. Uh, and And... One of the founders of Black Lives Matter has explicitly argued that 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 she wants Israel to cease to exist. They hate Israel. Black Lives Matter Chicago, as you know, sent out a tweet with with a picture of of, of a terrorist on a paraglider, referencing the the glider that came in and murdered nearly 300 teenagers that were at a rave, and saying, "I stand with Palestine," and and. The point that we make on the podcast, we do a deep dive into the history of Black Lives Matter, and not the the phrase, look, the phrase Black Lives Matter is a truism. Everyone agrees, of course, Black Lives Matter. But the organization, Black Lives Matter, Inc., is a Marxist organization that hates Israel, that is rabidly anti-Semitic, that supports Hamas. And the question we asked on today's podcast Is all of corporate America, all the Fortune 500 companies that wrote millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, Amazon and Apple and Bank of America and BlackRock and Coca-Cola, not to mention the NBA that emblazoned Black Lives Matter on on every floor for a year, do they support the rabid anti-Semitism of the Marxist organization they supported? I think that's intimately tied up. Both Black Lives Matter and Democratic Socialists of America, which AOC and Tlaib and the rest of them associate with, are brazen in their anti-Semitism, and we're seeing it reflected across the country. Why do you think it is, Senator, that given this obvious
1: reality of a shockingly large contingent uh, of Democrats that take very anti-Israel, and I think it's clear you could argue at least very anti-Semitic views, that Democrat leadership doesn't feel compelled to speak out or to call this out, right? I mean, Joe Biden, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, et cetera. You go down the biggest names, of the Democrat Party. They don't try to tell the squad to get in line on this issue. They don't decry what's going on on campuses. It seems like there's a disconnect there.
2: Well, I think they're scared of them. Uh, I think today's Democrat Party. It is the radical left that's setting the agenda. The bizarre thing is, in this, in this. Democrat Senate in, in in the House, the people setting the agenda for the Biden administration are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC and the squad, and the rest of the Democrats are terrified. They're more scared of being primaried from the left than they are of losing a general election. And I think this is intimately connected to the fact that the corporate media is broken. So they can embrace the most radical position, and CNN won't cover it. MSNBC won't cover it. It doesn't exist. And and so, for example, you remember a few years ago where where several members of the squad made a series of anti-Semitic comments. One of them talking about uh, Israel said it's all about the Benjamins. That Israel is all about money and money grubbing Jews was what they were saying. A common anti-Semitic. Troop. Yeah, Ilhan Omar. Yes. And, and Nancy Pelosi was speaker at the time, and she said, okay, we're going to pass a resolution in the House condemning anti-Semitism. And she thought, okay, we can get everyone together. And she discovered she couldn't get the Democrats, that the Democrat conference was too terrified of the squad to vote for a resolution condemning anti-Semitism. So what happened instead is they wrote an utterly bland resolution condemning hatred of all kinds. Any kinds of bigotry whatsoever, doesn't matter what it is, just we're against hate, was their statement. Now, I saw that, and, and that was disappointing to see. And, and I hoped at the time, I said, well, maybe the Senate can do better. And so I approached Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia, obviously ran with Hillary Clinton as, as her vice presidential nominee. And I said, Tim, do you think the Senate could do what the House could not? And Tim and I together drafted a resolution, it was Cruz-Kane, that was a clear and unequivocal condemnation of anti-Semitism. It con- condemned BDS, boycott, divestiture, and sanctioning, as an explicit manifestation of anti-Semitism. And it condemned the anti-Semitic comments made by the squad members uh, for, for being anti-Semitic. Tim and I went to the Senate floor on a Thursday afternoon, and we had about 50 co-sponsors at the time, and to pass it, we needed what's called unanimous consent, which means it will pass unless a senator stands up and objects. And and so Tim and I went to the Senate floor. We, we didn't know if a senator, if, you know, if some Democrat, some left-wing Democrat would stand up and say, I object. We went there, and it ended up nobody objected. It passed a 100 to nothing. And I think the Senate, we were able to get it done, but I think in the House, they're terrified of the squad.
0: You and I and several of your staff who are in here right now who do a fantastic job. We were just in Aggieland uh, for the Texas A&M-Alabama game that was taking place down there. Yep. I walked around with you all day. You get a lot of negativity on social media. I didn't see a single, you might have heard one. I didn't see a single negative word said about you all day. Uh, we're on an Aggieland. There are a lot of Texas A&M fans. Uh, they were all fabulous. A lot of Alabama fans. Fabulous to you. I think that's important because it doesn't get talked about very much. It was, it was a fun experience to see how they responded to you. So I just want to put that out there into the world. Now, you mentioned your podcast. You have an incredible legal background and you are a constitutional scholar, in in my opinion. Thank you. Uh, when you look at what is going on right now with these latest Trump gag orders, and also when you analyze what's going on in terms of the motions to dismiss that they have argued are a part of presidential powers, how do you assess that from a constitutional level? The gag order that Judge Tuckin has put on just down the road yep. from where we are in D.C., and also the argument that the January 6th charges on their face— Actually, detract from, it Trump tonight. basically has the presidential power. So Are po- we, we, gotta get to a po- break? Point of order. Yes. Can,
1: can we have Clay's question addressed by you in just a moment? We sure. come back? Cause yeah. you know, I don't think you can handle that in 20 seconds. That's and, about what we got. And, and, and so. you gotta keep the lights yeah.
2: on and pay the mortgage. You know yeah, I mean? that's right. That's what we call a T yes. in the business.
1: Yes. Alright, here we go. Start earning high yield returns in a low Yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. Choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been qualified with the SEC and are independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital is disrupting traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today, phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, that's phxonair.com. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Go check out the Phoenix Capital Group today, phxonair.com, for more information.
0: Clay Travis and Buck
1: Sexton on the front lines of truth.
0: Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. up to $100. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code Clay, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Live Freedom 104.7, our Washington, D.C. affiliate. We are in studio here in D.C. with Senator Ted Cruz and... I just asked that question. Is it constitutional what Judge Chutkin is doing? How do you think it plays out? And what do you think of the motion to potentially
2: vacate the charges? Yeah. So the, the gag order, I think is blatantly unconstitutional. And this is actually something else that I do a deep dive into in today's podcast and verdict. So, so we talk about it at length. Uh, The gag order, among other things, purports to prohibit Trump not only from criticizing the prosecutor who has made a career out of going after Republican politicians in a very partisan way and getting his cases thrown out at the end of the day, but also from Trump saying anything about any potential witness of the topic of the case, which is so overbroad as to be wild. Look, one of the potential witnesses is Mike Pence, who's literally running against Donald Trump to be president right now. And so her order purports to say that the leading candidate on the Republican side to be president can't talk about one of his opponents in the primary. That is insane. It is unconstitutional. Um, If and when it gets to the Court of Appeals, it will be reversed, I believe. However, it likely won't get appealed until it is enforced. I don't think the judge will try to put him in jail. I think that would be a, a... Massive mistake on her part, and that would get, if she tried to put him in jail, that would get reversed within hours. Um, I think what is likely at some point is that she fines him. She tries to put in a fine for violating the gag order rather than trying to incarcerate him. As I pointed out, even people on the left, Erwin Chemerinsky, a very well-known left-wing constitutional law professor, actually the opposing counsel when years ago I defended the Texas Ten Commandments monument in the U.S. Supreme Court, Irwin Chemerinsky was on the other side, arguing that the Ten Commandments Monument had to be torn down. Thankfully, Texas 154. Even Erwin Chemerinsky has written an op-ed saying this is obviously unconstitutional. He hates Trump, but he says, look, you gotta respect the First Amendment. On the second issue, I think it is gonna be difficult to get an appeals court to step in on the merits of the case until after the trial is over. So what I think is quite likely is that, number one, I think Trump, there's a very good chance he gets convicted, and I think that could happen before Election Day. I think on appeal, the conviction will be reversed. I think this case is utter crap, but that is very likely to happen after Election Day. If you have any money in the markets and you've
1: thought about investing in the crypto market, pay attention to a new patent-pending artificial intelligence tool that's detected a 60-day pattern in the crypto market. According to this AI, which is powered by the same kind of award-winning tech that's behind other leading AI software, the next couple of months is crucial. Most people won't know what to do and will miss opportunities. But if you know what to do, two months from now, you could be cashing out with a very good return on your money. 60 days from now, you could have a very different financial life. Go to Conan. 2023com to see this AI technology for yourself. Conan, C-O-N-A-N, 2020, uh, 2023.com. That's Conan2023.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. All right, welcome back to Clay and Buck. Great conversation there with uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Appreciate him coming by as we are hanging out here in our nation's capital today in D.C. It's funny, Clay. I, I saw one of our listeners actually in, in uh, the lobby of the hotel where we're staying. And I think he was very surprised. He's like, what, what are you doing here? Of course, he's like, where's Clay? Like, oh, <laughs> well, he's actually here too.
0: He's, he's out to looking
1: around. for newspapers. He's out trying to find actual physical copies of newspapers because I hear that, uh, it makes it easier to hold the pumpkin spice latte when you're walking around. <laughs> you're less likely to burn your, burn your little fingers when you're carrying it in, uh, a rolled up Wall Street Journal. So, um, this is a story, Clay. Clay, can I just say that you you've I
0: flagged you, it. You, you if flagged people it.
1: People are upset. Clay, if if Clay, Clay, I will take all the blame.
0: One,
1: uh, we we wanted to, it to switch gears in a big way here because we know it's been a lot of lot of heavy stuff recently. Um, this is uh this is quite different. The story up on Fox Business is that Victoria's Secret, the very very well known lingerie and uh, clothing brand is no longer prioritizing wokeness because of plummeting sales. Clay Travis, you can, you can be our, our special Victoria's correspondent Secret here. Correspondent analyst on this one. What is going on, sir?
0: So, one, this is imminently predictable. For those of you out there who don't know, Victoria's Secret decided about, I don't know, about two years ago, that using really attractive models to sell lingerie was not representative of who actually buys lingerie. And so they decided that they wanted to go, and this is not a joke, this happened, for those of you who don't know, they decided they wanted to start using overweight women, Megan Rapino, trans women, a.k.a. men and women's lingerie, to try to be more inclusive and to sell women's lingerie, they thought, would increase the overall interest and marketability of their brand by being more brand-inclusive and by using all of those people to sell. What has happened, I think, is eminently predictable. Sales of Victoria's Secret's product have tanked, and they are now going back to really good-looking models in lingerie to sell their product. And Buck, when this happened, I said, I, I said, look, no one wants to buy something that everyone aspires to look better than they actually are. They aspire to uh be in better shape than they are. They want to think that they are gonna look like yeah. the supermodel, not like the fat trans dude who is trying to get them to buy bras and panties. Beauty is
1: supposed to be, uh, aspirational. Yes. And, and, uh, you know, sex appeal is something that, as we all know, it's like one of the most basic things you'd learn in, in marketing or just from day to day life. Sex appeal sells. Yes. I mean, you know, there's a reason why these two guys are sitting here right now doing this radio show, for example. And not, and not selling men's underwear. Uh, There you go. And what, what you see here is, is wokeness taken to its ultimate ends, which is to go after, I mean, there are some, there are some businesses and there's some business models where wokeness is not necessarily going to rapidly destroy your brand. It take more time, right? Um, obviously Bud Light, I mean, there, there are exceptions, but in general, they can handle a certain amount of wokeness. And I think that a lot of companies do so because they think of it almost as insurance against attack from the left and threats of boycotts. The boycotts never really happened. But in this case, the, the whole point is that these women are beautiful and you aspire to be beautiful and alluring like these the yes. women are. And so guys will buy the stuff for their wives or, you know, uh, sweethearts. It has it, it, it worked.
0: I, do you remember, did you ever watch this Victoria's Secret fashion show that they put on? Are you familiar with uh, the fact that this exists? I can definitely say I'm familiar with it, yes. So I have seen this thing before. One year I had it on. I think CBS ran it. The Victoria's Secret would do a holiday fashion show, and they would have all their Victoria's Secret. I think they called them angels or something like that that would walk out. I watched probably 20 minutes of one of these shows one time. It's probably the most effective marketing that has ever happened. I went within the next week and bought like $200 in lingerie for my wife. Things that they had on the show, I was like, Oh, I like that. I like that. I went and bought it. My wife is not like diehard lingerie shopper. So I think a huge part in addition to trying to sell to women an aspirational version of how good they will look in this gear, how sexy they will be. Also, a lot of men buy lingerie because they want to, you know, it's basically like wrapping on a, uh, on a present. They want to buy it and give it to their wife and say, Hey, you're gonna look amazing in this. And it's as if Victoria's Secret didn't realize what built their brand and they totally lost their way. And you've seen this happen time after time, Buck. Um and, and I saw this, and I couldn't help but laugh because it was so imminently
1: predictable. Well, of course, but you know, it's it's gone beyond too. There there was it, it goes in phases, and you've seen this with some of these other clothing brands. Where at first it's inclusive means, okay, people who are, you know, a little bit less, you know, not super, ideal, not super, not
0: super ripped, you know, like a, more, yeah.
1: or, or, you know, there's, there's a little slightly larger size men, larger size women. A- and by the end of this, I mean, they have morbidly obese, you know, non-binary individuals yes. who are modeling Calvin Klein underwear. Yes. I mean, truly morbidly obese at a point where this is not even about aesthetics anymore. This is a, a a health crisis issue for somebody and to be elevating that as though that somehow is again, aspirational, something that people would want to be associated with. I mean, branding is, as as we know, branding is all perception really, right? It's the perception that people have of your product and what you're selling and that they would have to run this experiment to figure out that it hurts lingerie sales is pretty remarkable, but it just shows how powerful the woke, uh, The woke impulse and the woke agenda really is. Yeah,
0: and also, by the way, it's not just women. I mean, they sell for every men's supplement, right, or every lifting, uh, weightlifting thing. They don't put fat guys on the product, right? Like, there is no male equivalent. People want to aspire to be bigger, stronger, and faster than they are if they're male. Do you remember some of the things
1: they used to sell back in the 90s where it was like, Hold this piece of plastic, you know, made somewhere around the world against your stomach, and you'll get a six-pack. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? There are all these late-night, you know, or like or a little thing that, like, holds your knees together, and you just do some crunches. And, you know, now you find out, like, a lot of these guys, first of all, are on steroids or taking, like, oh, yeah. you know, taking exogenous testosterone. Um, They are not super ripped on these commercials because they have the
0: ab roller. Remember that <laughs> one? Like, some of these
1: gimmicks. Think of the millions I mean, of dollars Suzanne, people
2: made.
0: Suzanne Summers, rest in peace. Uh, just died, I think this week. I was reading, Buck, they sold, I think, three million, what was the thigh thing that she, the thigh master? Thigh, of course, the thigh master, yeah. They sold, I think it was three million thigh masters. Suzanne Summers sold. I guarantee you that most of the women who used the thigh master did not look remotely like Suzanne Summers. Like I was talking actually with my wife when I saw this story and she was like, Oh, we had one. My mom had one. Like everybody back in the day, the Thighmaster master was everywhere. One big reason it worked was because people thought they would look like Suzanne look, Summer. I mean, imagine
1: if now to take the logic of the Victoria's Secret campaigns, which now seems like they're going to, they're going to, you know, switch and go in a different direction again, but you would have a really hard time selling. Uh, you know, workout supplements, pre-workout, for example, uh, you know, uh, creatine and yeah, any yeah. Of these things, the guys, if you had, you know, some guy with like a big gut, 400
0: who's, pound who's, guy, who's got, like, you know,
1: Cheetos dust all over his face or something like that's not going to go well.
0: And I never bought in to the idea that a woman would walk into Victoria's Secret and say, I'm not as hot as the one of the hottest women in the history of the world. <laughs> and so I can't buy this bra. Like that never made sense to me because the whole history of sales, like look at the JCPenney catalog back in the day. Better looking models than the average person help to sell all products. Heck, watch movies. Most movies don't feature a lot of ugly people. Even uh, the crown, the crown that's going on right now, which I believe your lovely wife Carrie has got you watching. The dude they have playing Prince Charles in the crown yeah. is incredibly good-looking. Prince Charles, not a good-looking dude. Isn't it, Isn't he McNulty from The Wire, the same
1: our actor? Right? I, th- I think that it's, may I well be right. McNulty but, I mean, he's a
0: good-looking guy, right? And yeah. Prince Charles, no offense, not a particularly good-looking man. Yeah, I, look, I I think that
1: you're going to see some of these campaigns are just going to realize it doesn't work anymore and they'll quietly start to, start to shift it around. But one thing that the left cannot do... Uh, beauty standards and what people find attractive, they are very durable. Yes. It is very, you can tell people you are supposed to find this attractive, attractive, but their buying patterns and what they actually think will not shift one bit just because the culture pretends. Because I think also even the people who are saying this stuff don't
0: really believe. Well, it. also there's a biological component too, right? Like, yeah. even men like women overwhelmingly around the world who look fairly similar regardless of what uh what you know continent you're talking about, what country you're talking about, is because ultimately well, the goal is to have kids. And healthy looking women historically were more likely to have healthy children. Same thing for healthy looking men. It's all about trying to propagate the species. So play Travis, biologist, sociologist, I'm just, anthropologist. I'm just telling you it's all about figuring out ways to have more babies. Um And uh, hopefully now, Sexy Lingerie will make more babies. We need more babies in this country. When you know it's time to ramp up your energy, you have a decision to make. Do you find short-term solution comes with side effects, or do you utilize a long-term solution you can rely on? The long-term solution, we are just talking about it, chalk. You're going to get hooked up. Male Vitality stack of supplements, it's all natural. You can get hooked up. You take this for three months. Your testosterone level will go up 20%. Again, it's all natural. You know, 50% lower testosterone rates than there have been in the past. You can get all of Chalk's products online at their website, chalk.com, spelled with a Q as in dot 35% off any Chalk subscription for life when you use my name Clay as you make your purchase. That's dot com. my name Clay, for 35% off. The Clay and Buck Podcast deep dives with cool content. Surprise guests. Get it all on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver?
0: I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to
1: precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug out plan. Two, That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash buck and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash buck, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first
0: month. Switch to PureTalk so you can afford to travel this summer. Up to $100. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C L A Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Speaking of unattractive women not wearing very many clothes and the fact that that doesn't do very well, where is this going? Yeah. Did you see what happened with one of the founders of BLM, Buck? Have you seen these photos? Are you aware of what? I believe it's Patrice Colors, who is one of the founders of BLM. Do you know what she is now doing for a living? Um, I have seen <laughs>
1: online that she is some form of, uh is she a like a nude performance artist is that right i
0: i i i cannot
1: a be- photo of her where she's
0: not wearing any clothing am i am i incorrect no no you're accurate so we allowed as a uh, as a country we allowed these crazy lunatics who were the founders of BLM and it's true that they're a marxist organization and all of these comments are 100% accurate but I saw this yesterday, and I couldn't believe this is real. This is from Christopher Rufo, uh, who does fabulous work. He's been one of the, I, I would say, maybe the the reason that Glenn Youngkin won in Virginia was the work that he did on CRT and how woke uh, the, the teaching agenda had begun. Uh, he tweeted, I wanted to see what BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors had been up to since she resigned from the organization. She is now a modern artist, and Buck, this is a heck of a form of modern art. Maybe she and Hunter Biden can get together at some point, and uh, and he can uh, he can paint her uh, like uh, like the French girls uh, to quote Titanic. Buck, she is fully nude. Now painting herself gold and walking around I'm not sure what the impetus is for this modern art exhibition but she bought a multi-million dollar home with a gate in Los Angeles they don't know what happened to millions and millions of dollars that went into the BLM coffers wait it didn't oh, hold on
1: hold hold on clay
0: You're telling me it didn't end racism? Did not. I mean, they had noble the
1: noble goal. This is hard to believe because that was the whole... These companies were writing checks to stop all the racism. Yes. And it sounds like the checks just went
0: to people buying things for themselves. You need to see these photos because when you look at these photos, you will think to yourself, my goodness, we totally uprooted policing in the United States because... This crazy chick and a couple of other people like her tried to argue that the United States was fundamentally racist because of what happened with George Floyd. And all of these grifters, they got not even millions, tens of millions of dollars. She has now resigned after being caught spending money on multi-million dollar homes. And she is now a modern artist who paints herself gold and engages in naked forms of art now again sounds to me she, like she and Hunter Biden are a match made together I would like to see them working together there's no telling how much a painting of Patrice Collers naked painted by the Michelangelo of our era Hunter Biden might be capable of uh of uh of of selling for.
1: can I just say your analysis on this went went way way <laughs> deeper and more thorough than I was <laughs> anticipating
0: so. I I saw this last night. Uh, after, after our dinner, we got to DC and I had to click. I was like, is this a real, can this possibly be real that this is how crazy this chick is? So between Victoria's Secret losing its mind, which I do take now that they're coming back to some form of sanity, uh, and Patrice Collars at BLM, what we're seeing is the more you were heralded on the left, The crazier you went and the more you end up repudiated by people with common sense and basic humanity in America. And unfortunately, we've seen this cycle before. This will be forgotten.
1: The lessons will be forgotten. And there will be a time when BLM 3.0 is a thing yet again. Oh, next year. I think it's very possible. And we'll go through the whole conversation all over again and the same. Uh, you know, the same sham of, oh, we need these corporations to write these checks and they'll write the checks and everyone will do all this all over again because um, it, there's someone smart said that people who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, this history will be forgotten very quickly about what actually happened to the institutions in and around uh, the
0: Black Lives Matter movement. I would love to have seen the reactions in Victoria's Secret as their sales began to plummet by billions of dollars, billions. I guarantee you there were a ton of dudes who worked at Victoria's Secret, knew this thing was going to bomb, but didn't say a word because they were afraid they would lose their jobs if they challenged
1: this idea at all. And the good news for them is, assuming they kept their jobs by going woke, they can sort of present this PowerPoint presentation now to corporate and be like, hey, We have an idea for Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Pretty women again as the models. What do you guys think, huh? Innovative. Groundbreaking. Revolutionary. That's where it's going. So good news for them.
0: Uh, We will be back tomorrow. We appreciate 104.7 here in Washington, D.C., one of our newest affiliates. We'll have some great guests for you. I think Senator Josh Hawley in studio tomorrow. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you guys tomorrow.